I'm Frank Garza, and welcome to Here and Abroad, a podcast that follows the U.S. men's national team and their player pool across Europe, MLS, or wherever else they play their club football. On today's show, we are going to preview the knockout round of the Gold Cup. The U.S. plays their quarterfinal match against Canada on Sunday. We'll take a close look at that matchup and then go through the rest of the bracket. To help me today, I've invited Kyle Bond to join the show. Kyle is a writer for the Sporting News and has over a decade of experience covering the sport of soccer globally. He also does TV broadcasts for Wake Wake Forest Soccer. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thank you. I always appreciate when somebody throws in the little uh, Wake Forest work that I do because I'm very close to that program and uh, I love all the, the folks over there and it's a lot of fun. So thanks for throwing that in there with us. You're welcome. I've even seen some of your clips that you have on the website of you uh, you calling those games. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's really a lot of fun. The coaching staff there makes it great. Um, they're super welcoming, uh, which isn't something you see very often. And uh, it just makes that whole experience a lot of fun. And the fan base there uh, in Winston-Salem is just real rabid. Uh, it's a tight knit group. They they have a lot of uh, camaraderie and it's it's a, a good time. Well, awesome. Well, let's talk about this knockout round of the Gold Cup uh, group stage finished up last night. So we finally have that bracket set. First of all, I want to just get your take on how the USMNT performed in the group stage. If you had to give the US a grade for their performance in those first three games, what grade would you give them and why? Uh, I would say a B, a solid B. I think expectations have to be tempered given the roster. I think that's very important because... It's really, I mean, it's not even a B team. It's really a C team. The backups were with the team in the Nations League, pretty much. So really, this is a third string team. The game against Jamaica, they didn't look good. But again, that Jamaica team was a first choice roster with four or five Premier League players. So really, when you think about it, Jamaica had the better team. So a 1-1 draw isn't the worst result in the world. They ended up winning the group. They should get a lot of credit for beating inferior teams in the manner that they did. That hasn't always been the case with the U.S. national team. Um, Obviously, it's a lot harder when you are traveling to those small nations rather than playing at home. But they did the business. And that's really, really important. I mean, if you think about the manner that they beat those uh, St. Kitts and Nevis and then Trinidad Tobago... The all-time biggest win in U.S. national team history is 8-0. And they beat these two teams 6-0. I mean, that's really a historic thumping. They'd never beat two teams back-to-back like that before. So, really important to give them credit for that. The Jamaica game, they are going to need to play better than that if they are going to win the tournament. That's just a fact. Regardless of the roster, if they want to win the tournament, got to play better than that. But it's not the worst result, so I think a solid B overall is a, a fair grade. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I'd go B plus, A minus. I mean, the only thing more they could have done was beat Jamaica. Like you said, having that the first match against this good Jamaica team, and then also just not – they just threw this roster together. You know, I remember when the roster came out, I was looking at the midfield, the six players in the midfield, and I was like, who's going to start? How are they even going to like line these guys up? Well, it's even worse now. I mean, because Senora got hurt. Aiden Morris is not with the, the team because of uh, personal reasons. And Jordan Morris is working his way back from injury. So now you've got Jackson Yule, 
on the roster. That news just came out a couple hours ago before we recorded here. And so it's even thinner. And so it really is like you're saying, just piece together. Yeah. But I give them credit because I feel like over the three group stage matches, they kind of figured it out, you know, whereas I had no clue how they were going to line up that that first game. So I, I think B plus A minus, they they took care of business. And like you said, they haven't always done that, you know, in the past, especially when they go on the road to face some of these CONCACAF teams. But it's just nice to see them taking care of business in the games that, you know, maybe in the past they haven't always they haven't always done. So let's talk about their quarterfinal matchup against Canada on Sunday. Just played Canada, you know, a couple weeks ago in the Nations League final. This is a, a different Canada team, but what's your thoughts on on Canada as an opponent in this in this quarterfinal matchup? Yeah, not only is it a different Canada team, it's a way worse Canada team. If you look at their not only their performances in the Gold Cup, but just the, the lineups that they're putting out, it's brutal. Um, which, I mean, you know, the U.S. has a... Here's, here's the thing. The U.S. Is, has done exactly the same thing that Canada has in the Gold Cup. They, they basically rotated everybody out. Canada is not at the stage of national team development to where they have the depth to compete in a tournament like this when doing that, right? They don't have a B or a C team that is remotely competitive at this level, which is fine. Nobody expects Canada, I don't I don't think, to be at that stage. So I think Canada fans, if there are any Canada fans listening or US fans who are trying to evaluate Canada, they're just not, I mean, they've only just made their first World Cup in over 30 years. Like, they're just not at the stage of development as a national team to where they can pull a C team and be competitive in this tournament. So they barely squeaked out of the group. Two win, or One win and two draws. The win came against Cuba, who are terrible. And that's about right for this team. I mean, if you look at the lineup they deployed against Cuba, you've got, I'm looking at it right now, four guys in the, in the starting lineup who are even around the senior national team when it's at full strength. You've got Jonathan Osorio, Richie Larea, who doesn't start every game, but is a pretty useful piece, Kamal Miller, and Junior Hoylet. And that's it. You've got the goalkeeper, Dane St. Clair, is with the national team at the senior level usually, but he's not starting. Uh, and he's not really a starter moving forward because now you've got a couple guys behind Borjan in like Crepo and a few others. So that's it. I mean, the midfield is like Liam Frazier and Moise Bombido. Liam Miller is starting at striker next to Lucas Cavallini, who never plays because, you know, you've got Davies and David up there. The defense is a mess because Alistair Johnston isn't there. Steven Vittoria didn't play against the Cuba game. They're probably saving him. So he's another guy who starts usually with the squad but it's just it's just a mess right now which is fine it's not their fault it's not anybody it's just the way they're the stage of national team development they're at yeah it's really a testament to how much more depth the u.s has in canada i mean i think neither of us are disrespecting canada i mean their a team against us's a team that's probably the Concacaf matchup i'm most worried about but you take away those premier elite attacking players they have and i, I just don't I don't think they're going to score a goal 
um, against the U.S. I don't see where the goals are going to come from. So as long as we we put one or two up, I think you know we're gonna we're gonna be fine. I also want to say it's it the, you know that that first choice Canada squad. It goes beyond just Davies and David. There are a lot of key role players in that squad that are unheralded amongst CONCACAF and who have played a huge role in their rise to prominence. There are two guys that I'm thinking of. Steven Eustachio is one who is a really, really good player. He had a bad game against the U.S. in the Nations League final, but he is a really good player on his game. Champions League level uh, player, plays at Porto and, and has done really well at the Champions League level. And then Alistair Johnston, who has risen to, I'm a little biased on that sense. We talked about my Wake Forest connection. He's a Wake Forest guy. But man, he has really become a hugely important player for that team, whether he's at fullback or center back. He's really a he played fullback at Wake Forest. He's moved to center back now primarily and plays really, really well, mostly in a back three. But he is such a hugely important player to that team. You take those two guys out of the lineup, it has just the same effect as it would pulling Davies and David out. And, you know, I'm not saying those two players are at the same level of, you know, cost 40 million euros in Europe kind of level, but they are really important to that team. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the lineup decisions that BJ Callahan is going to have to make in this matchup. And and I want to start with our wingers. And let's start on the right. You know, Zendejas, Alex Zendejas has started each of the games on the right wing. Uh, seems to be struggling, seems to be trying too hard, seems to, he looks really frustrated, you know, out there. Uh, what do you do on the right wing? Or what do you think BJ does on the right wing on, on Sunday? Do you think they leave Zendejas out there or try something different? I think you give Zendejas another game. He's a good player. We know he's a good player. You've got a, a weak rest. And the options aren't great. Jordan Morris is still working back from injury and has been okay. He gets so much stick from U.S. fans. <laughs> I don't understand it. I get it. He's an MLS retread. Fine. You don't like MLS players. It's the same with Areola. Those guys are fine. They do the job. They're not exciting, but they do the job. But he's, I, I think the value against the opponent in giving Zendejas another go is worth it. It's really a player you want to get going because if you don't have Zendejas at his best form for the final two games, for the semi and the final, Again, the options aren't great. I'd rather get Zadehas going and have him at better form for the, the semis in the final than have to dip into your other options. Because the other option really is Julian Gressel. And I could see BJ going to Julian Gressel. I just don't. And I think he could, again, do a job. But I, I don't think he, there's value in going to him now versus trying to get Zendejas going. Against a Canada team, you'll probably beat anyways, even with Zendejas struggling. I think you hit the nail on the head there. You need Zendejas in good form, I think, to win the Gold Cup, or you greatly improve your chances. And so keep trying to get him there. You know, I think he's going to get there. I think he's an exciting player. I'm a little biased because I like to watch him. He's, one, he's, he's fun to watch. Um, I'd like to see him out there. How about over on the left? In each group stage match, they've started a different winger on the left side. Jordan Morris in the first, then Cade Cowell, and then Christian Roldan. I know you mentioned Jordan Morris you know, was hurt. What do you think happens on the left on Sunday? It's a good question. I think 
Howell probably is is the leader in the clubhouse. I think he's by far the most exciting player. Now, I think Cowell probably has his most value to this team right now as a bench option. But in this game, I think you give him another start. He was okay against St. Kitts and Nevis. He wasn't great, but you just you see the effect that he has on games when he comes down that left wing and then cuts in on his right. I just spoke with Cade a couple days ago for did an interview with him for Sporting News. And uh, he is a player who is being watched by a number of European clubs. And a start in a game against Canada would be a really good spot for him going up against Osorio and Lorea, you'd think, on that Canadian right, U.S. left flank. I'd love to see how he could do against those guys, especially knowing that on the other flank, you may not have that electricity in Zendayas. If you're going to give him a start, you have to think for the possibility that he still doesn't have it. And then Cowell's the guy. Roldan is good. I know he plays winger more for his club team, so he can do the job there. And he actually played really well against Trinidad and Tobago, I thought. But I think you just have Cowell as your spark plug against Canada. And if he has a good game, now you can start him moving forward. And if not, Roldan will do the job and do it well against more uh, tougher opponents. Yeah, this one's a real toss-up for me. I love watching Cade Cal, and I have to admit, I probably wasn't given Christian Roldan as much respect as he deserves. But when he's come on the field um, in the group stage, I thought he's brought a jolt of electricity. Agreed. He's been in the middle of all of the action. And so either one of them I, I'd be I'd be pretty happy with. Maybe you go with Cal, like you said, to give him one one more chance to see if he can go the full game. And then also you might kind of save Roldan a little bit just in case something happens to one of the midfielders. Because as you mentioned, we're getting we're getting pretty thin there and uh, Roldan can play there as well. I think too the minutes for a young player like Cowell are important and rare. And he may not be involved moving forward with this the first choice team until he gets his European career going. So the the opportunities here to give him minutes are important. And then depending on who you play in the semis and the finals, then you can go back to roll down and go, hey, we just need to win these games. And Cowell is a really electric player off the bench for us. You know, you know, if we're level one one against, you know, our semifinal opponent or in the final against Mexico or Jamaica. Let's bring Cade Cowell off the bench if we need to, you know, that kind of thing. He's he's such a spark plug off the bench and has been much better off the bench in this tournament than he did in his one start against St. Kitts and Nevis. But the minutes here against Canada, I think, are valuable for Cade. And then regardless of whether he, whether he plays well or not, you can go back to Roldan knowing that you're going to get maybe a lower ceiling, but a higher floor against a tougher opponent. Yeah, I did kind of feel coming into this Gold Cup, okay, this is... This is the chance to get a look at Cade Cow. You know, this is the chance to give him a run of games and see if he really is a serious contender to, you know, break into that, um, you know, quote unquote, you know, a team. Let's talk about the midfield now. So the last two matches, Callahan's gone with the same starting midfield: Buzio, Sands, and Mihalovic. As you mentioned, Senora's out. Jackson Yule replaced him. You also have Aiden Morris, but I read that he was not present in training today. He's left, you know, for personal reasons. And so you're pretty thin there. I mean, do you do anything different at midfield or do you just go with those three? 
no, you stick with it. I mean, not only, I, even if there were more options, I, th- I think you stick with it. I could see replacing Busio with Roldan if you want to go Roldan in midfield and then Cowell on the wing and maybe give some guys some rotation, but they're playing well. I mean, Sands and Mihailovic are two of the best performers on the U.S. team so far through the group stage. Uh, obviously, Mihailovic not deployed in that Jamaica game, but he has been so good. Again, against poor opposition. But man, he carved those two Caribbean islands to pieces over and over and over again uh, in different ways. He showed a toolbox that was really impressive. And Mihailovic, you have to remember, was a fringe World Cup squad contender until he got hurt. He got hurt in the summer of 2022 and that was really his his one camp to like give his shot right and say hey this you know this is what i got give me a chance he missed it and so that was it for him they weren't going to bring him back once he was back from injury because it was too close to the world cup they'd already pretty much figured out who they wanted so he was a contender for that world cup squad and so he has first team pedigree a little bit and to watch him just dice up two inferior opponents was fun. And I think you ride him until he shows that he can't do it against stronger opponents. Yeah, he's going to be an interesting one to watch in the upcoming club season, you know, as well. Because, yeah, he does. That injury really set him back. He plays for a good club in the Eredivisie. And uh, now that he'll have like a full club season added, it'll be inter- interesting to see, you know, how he does. Okay, the other position I want to talk about is the outside backs. So first match, DeAndre Edlin and John Tolkien got the start, and the next two, they went with Brian Reynolds and, and Dewan Jones. Do you stick with Reynolds and, and Jones, or do you make a, a change there? I think, honestly, I don't know. That's where we'll start. I, I don't know what BJ's thinking is, because I thought he would go back to Tolkien at least against Trinidad and Tobago and give him another go. And he stuck with Reynolds and Jones, which I was surprised with. So I don't really have a good bead on where BJ's thinking here, but I think you could make arguments for most of them. I don't think you could really make an argument for Yedlin at this point, only because there's really not a lot of value to starting him. I think BJ started him against Jamaica because it was a tough opponent with not a lot of training time leading into it. And he knew the system best and probably was just a good, solid option for giving them a good chance to win that game. He played all right defensively. He didn't offer much going forward, but he played okay defensively. It wasn't spectacular. And I think at this point, you go with the other options. So the other three are really probably the guys that you're looking for at fullback. And so I'm interested to see what happens. I think. Dewan Jones wasn't great against St. Kitts and Nevis, and then he really upped his game against Trinidad and Tobago. I was impressed by him. I still wonder what his chances of really being a player in this player pool are at the first team level, but he's really the only natural option on that side if you're not going with Yedlin. So the other, the other side, now you're choosing between two guys who do have much more of a chance at sticking around long-term in Reynolds and Tolkien. So I think you could make an argument for either one. I don't know. But I think aside from Yedlin, you could go with any of those guys and you'd have a good chance at gaining something 
short-term and long-term. I'll, I'll say Brian Reynolds has really impressed me. I'd like to see him out there. He has an engine on him. He has some athleticism. He uh, he reminds me of, you know, those times you're watching, you know, foot like American football and a running back will like go into a pile and like all of a sudden like he'll emerge and you're like, how did he get out of that? I mean, I've, I've seen Brian Reynolds do that a few times in a crowd where I'm like, he looks like he's stopped and then all of a sudden he comes out with the ball and he's still driving forward. And so he seems hungry, you know, and, and I've loved seeing him out there. He, he is hungry. And, and I'm glad you brought him up because I spoke with Reynolds as well before the Trinidad and Tobago game. I'll have that story out soon at Sporting News. And it was really funny because we talked a lot about Reynolds is 22. He plays like a 19-year-old in his development still. He has a ton of, of, he's a massively high ceiling, a ton of potential, but he's a little behind because he went to Roma sooner than he should have and didn't get any game time. He lost probably a year of his development and then went to Belgium and did quite well, but he's behind. And it's funny because we talked a lot about how he's a converted winger and He's been playing fullback for a number of years now. It's nothing brand new to him, but he's still he's the first to admit that he needs to work on his defending. In fact, he brought it up in the interview. I didn't even bring it up. And it's very I'm I'm smiling here because he basically was like, I absolutely hate defending. He's like, (laughs) he's like, I, I love getting forward, but he knows that that's part of the job. And then. B.J. Callahan in his postgame presser after Trinidad and Tobago win, he told us, he said, I sat Brian Reynolds down at the start of this camp and challenged him defensively and said, I want you to show me that you can play well defensively. And if you do, you'll get more time. So I think if they if he plays Reynolds, it's a nod to say that, hey, so far you've shown me what you need to show me. He hasn't had to do much defending against the two teams that he played against. So there is that to consider. But. Reynolds is a, a funny guy who is very smart, has a good head on his shoulders, and knows what he has to do to get more time, club and country, even if he hates doing it. <laughs> well, that's cool. I'm looking forward to seeing that article of yours come out because I haven't uh, had the chance to see a lot of interviews with him or, or learn that much about him personally. But after watching him so far in this Gold Cup, I, I'm super interested to kind of watch him and see if he can challenge. I mean, you mentioned the you know, the lack of, I I guess, defensive effort and that being an opportunity to grow. You know, the opportunity is, I don't think anybody's going to be moving Serginio Dest, but his backup, you know, can Reynolds challenge Joe Scally, who has more of the defensive prowess, but not as much as the attacking prowess. Reynolds seems to be kind of the opposite. And so it'll it'll be fun to see if he develops and and can take that spot. I agree. And I think, you look at those guys. I, I don't think that Serginio Dest is as entrenched in his role as many think that he is. I, I, this is no disparaging of Serginio, but he's just not playing anywhere mm-hmm. at the club level right now. And to hear the comments of Stefano Pioli at AC Milan after Dest finished his loan there, Pioli was basically like, look, Serginio Dest is a good player. He just could not grasp our tactical system. And that was interesting to hear. Because to me, that just says, you know, hey, we may need somebody at this spot if it just doesn't work out at the club level for Dest, and maybe that hampers his national team playing. I don't know. I think right now he's definitely the entrenched starter, but you never know what could happen in the future. Too much turmoil for too long could be problematic for him. So I think that backup is important. Okay, so the other 
spots in the lineup, I think are pretty safe bets. Matt Turner at in, as goalkeeper, center back, Miles Robinson and Jalen Neal, although Neal is carrying a yellow card, so perhaps they try and protect him a little. Um, and then with Jesus Ferreira getting, you know, back-to-back hat tricks, I don't know how you you take you put him on the bench. I mean, any comments about those positions and would you do anything different there? No, I don't think so. I, I will say I, I could see them sitting Jalen Neal, like you said, for and protecting him for that yellow card. His yellow card was such a bummer, too, because I, I know why he did it. it. There was a breakaway for Trinidad and Tobago, and he yanked the guy back. But there was it wasn't like the game was in any danger. You know, they were already up by a number of goals. And I, I kind of wish he hadn't done it. But anyways, got his yellow card. And I, I think they he has played so darn well this tournament. I mean, so well. I think he might be, if not the best performer on the U.S. team, then the most promising performer. And, you know, the, the, the player who has shown the most for the future in this tournament. And sitting him would be such a bummer. But I could see them giving him a little bit of protection in this game. And if not in this game, BJ may just say, look, unless you absolutely have to play as if you're already on a yellow card in the game, right? Because we'll need you for the semis again. However, I could see them risking him here and then sitting him for the semifinal, depending on who they play, because I don't think there's anybody terribly dangerous on their side of the bracket. The tough games are going to be either Mexico or Jamaica in the final. So maybe you protect Jalen Neal in the semis. Anyways, that's all nitty gritty. The rest of what you said, absolutely, you're you're right. Uh, Miles will start. Turner will start. Ferreira will start. Vasquez has played very well, but you just can't sit Jesus Ferreira right now. So speaking of who the U.S. might play next, I wanted to end the podcast on going through this knockout bracket and, and each of us making our projections in the top half of the bracket, uh, you have Panama going against Qatar uh, Saturday night. Who do you like in that matchup? It's a tough one because Qatar is just not very good, um, and Panama's also just not very good. It's a, Panama's uh, a tough one. Both Panama and Costa Rica have really fallen off the table of late, and that's unfortunate to see because they can be fun opponents uh, when they have their best players. But both teams just kind of aged their way out of a, not a golden generation, but a a quality generation and didn't really replace them very well. But Panama is in a better spot than Costa Rica. I think they come through that game with the win. Qatar, man, they've embraced CONCACAF, haven't they? Uh, (laughs) In that game against Mexico, they went full CONCACAF. I just, I don't think they have the ability to, I could see it. Just given the fact that they beat Mexico, they could get another early goal and just sit on it. But I think Panama will come through that game. I don't think Panama has a lot to challenge the U.S. with, but I think they're better than Qatar. Yeah, I think it'll be a close match. Take the under. <laughs> my yeah, my my gut kind of leans towards Qatar a little bit because I think they're a tough team to to play against. But they had a bunch of guys get yellows last match. I think they have at least three players that are suspended for this next match. So I'm going to go with Panama on that one. I I think they'll have enough firepower to get through, but I do expect that to be a kind of a knockdown gritty battle that probably goes like one, one nil or something like that. And if they, if it is a game like that, 
I mean, it's going to be four days later they play the U.S., so you know there could be some fatigue as well. Okay, so four days later they're going to play the U.S. That that tells me in this next matchup, USA versus Canada, you're going with the U.S. Yeah, I don't I don't see any way that they slip against this Canada team that just has not looked good against opponents of their caliber when they have their full team, you know, their full strength. So I just, there's too many holes right now for Canada in the, in the depth. Yeah, I agree. The only thing that makes me a little nervous is, you know, I think John Herbman's a pretty good coach. He's played the U S a lot in the last, you know, a couple years now. So uh, maybe he comes up with some strategy to make it difficult for him, but I, I don't see Canada scoring. I think the U S will at least get uh, the goal they need to move on. So, okay, so then we're saying USA versus Panama in the semifinal then. Who do you like in that matchup? I think the United States still has the the talent to get past Panama in that game. It's a very experienced Panama side, but I just don't think on if it was at Panama, I could see it being a lot tougher because that's a tough place for even the senior team to play against, or I should say the first choice team to play against. But here at home, it's just a, it's an aging team that hasn't replaced guys. It's just it's tough to see how they've got the legs to. Uh, I'm going to join you. I, I don't I don't see Panama beating the U.S. with the U.S. at home. You know, it would be an entirely different story if they were, you know, in Panama. But uh, I'm going to take the U.S. as well. So that puts the U.S. in the final on the top half of the bracket. Going to the bottom half of the bracket, we have Mexico against Costa Rica. On Saturday night, who do you like in that matchup? Look, I could see Mexico dumping out of the tournament against pretty much anybody, but I do think they'll beat Costa Rica. There's just enough first-choice players for them to get past a really... I mean, for all the mention that I gave Panama for not replacing aging players, it's worse at Costa Rica. I mean, way worse. They are in real trouble, I think, moving forward just because they have so many players that just are still going that should not be in the picture. I mean, the fact that Joel Campbell is still getting caps for that national team is a problem. They've finally gotten Brian Ruiz to retire. Finally at 37 or whatever, but there's just not the young talent coming through to take over. So I think Mexico wins that game. I'm with you. Could see him losing. Just, <laughs> you, you know, you don't know it's Mexico team, but um, I think they have the talent to beat them. I think they'll have a home crowd behind them. And uh, I, I just can't see this Costa Rica's team scoring that much, you know, either. Okay. So the winner, of that game, we'll take on Guatemala or Jamaica, who play on Sunday afternoon. Who do you like in that game? Yeah, I don't think there's a lot to break down there. This Jamaica team, I think, is a title contender. They're really, really good. They have four or five Premier League players, and I'm going to check it my my math now. Let's see. One, two, three, four. Four and a half, if you will, because Deshaun Bernard is a 22-year-old with Manchester United, but... Uh, not really with Manchester United. So I'll give it four and a half Premier League players on that team. That's it's just a quality roster. And then the guys who are around them, Andre Blake is Andre Blake. He's incredible still. And there's just a lot of good players. I mean, Shamar Nicholson plays for Spartak Moscow. You've got 
uh, Kahim Paris, who plays for Dynamo Kiev, like these guys, even who, who aren't Premier League talent, you've got players at Swansea, you've got players in the lower tiers of the English uh, tier. So it's a talented roster and they are a title contender. I, I just don't see them loot, dropping this game. I'm with you. So then that brings us to the big one or a big one. I think it's Mexico, Jamaica. I think it's probably the most interesting one out there. Definitely the most interesting one of the Gold Cup, you know, so far. Man, I've been thinking about this one all morning as I was, you know, thinking about getting on this podcast. And uh, it's a close call. Who do you like? Give me Jamaica, man. I think that between their talent and the struggles that Mexico have had recently, if Mexico hadn't lost to Qatar and they, you know, got through that game, even if they didn't look great, I might reconsider, but they just keep shooting themselves in the foot. And it's always been one step forward, two steps back for Mexico over the last year and a half, two years. And I can't, I just don't trust them. I don't trust them at this point. The, the attack is too thin and everybody else is in bad enough form that I don't see it happening for them. I mean, you've got, you, you look at the players with Mexico. Santi Jimenez is in great form right now, but Henry Martin has been terrible. I mean, just flat out terrible. Uriel Antuna has been terrible. And the rest of the roster is just super uninspiring. Edson Alvarez has struggled even. Juliano Raujo has not impressed as much as I thought he would. And, you know, he hasn't really had many opportunities to begin with. Ochoa is still Ochoa, but outside of that, they're mistake prone and they're not in good form. It's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to watch. Absolutely. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Mexico, you know, won, but I'm going to go with Jamaica as well. I, I do think that that hiccup against Qatar that they had was enough to kind of derail their train a little bit. They're going to be feeling so much pressure. Uh, they're going to be looking ahead to potentially playing the U.S., you know, and wanting to get to that match so badly. And yeah, I think Jamaica, they have the talent, you know, just just like you mentioned. And then I think I'm a little bit biased, too. I'm cheering for him. I want Jamaica to do well. I mean, the more upper echelon teams we have in CONCACAF, the better it is for Especially the US. with, like I said, Panama and Costa Rica kind of down right now. Yeah. You know, they were they were thought to be the carrying the, the torch for really the bottom half of the hex, you know, the old the old style hex. Those guys were what made the hexagonal and even the octagonal hard mm-hmm. was the fact that Panama and Costa Rica were tough they were gritty they were hard to beat especially on the road and now they're down somebody's got to step into that role and jamaica is the top candidate to do that yeah okay so then we got the final usa jamaica what's your call on that one i'm going i'm going with jamaica i really think jamaica has the talent they looked the better team in the group stage game against these two. They look the better team. They probably should have won the game. They would be the ones that would feel disappointed to have not won. And you play that 90 minutes out again, and I think Jamaica wins. There's a few more wrinkles to it. Ferreira is now you know, great form. If he can keep that goal-scoring form up, maybe he's got more confidence going into that game. If you can get Cade Cowlers and Dejas going, now you've got a little bit more of a, a wide threat. But man, this Jamaica team's good. And getting past Andre Blake is hard. And if he stands on his head again and they take their chances, 
Jamaica wins that game. I I would even probably, at the very least, I could see him playing to a draw, and then anything happens from there. So I I think the smart money's on Jamaica if these two sides match up. Yeah. I'm going to go with the U.S. just because I think that they're going to keep getting better every... I'm definitely biased on that one, too. But I, I do think that they're going to keep getting better with each game as this team learns to play together and uh, we'll figure out a way to to get it done like they did at the, at the last Cold Cup. But we'll see. I mean, those two matchups, you know, Mexico and Jamaica, and then whichever of those win that finals matchup against the U.S. are going to be just super fun, super fun to watch. Well, Kyle... Thanks so much for joining me. Before I let you go, any final thoughts on, on the Gold Cup? And then if you could please just let people know where they can go to, to see more of your work. Yeah, so I, I think you know my final thoughts on this Gold Cup are please take your expectations into each game and understand them before you watch a game. Because I think it's, it's really fun to watch a lot of these young players. You're, they're getting in a, in a spot where they can sink or swim. And when a young player sinks, it's... Uh, useful for the Federation just as much as when they swim because now you've got more of a knowledge base with which to evaluate guys. They've gotten more minutes either way. So there is a lot to be gained from this tournament, even if the performances aren't great. And if the U.S. struggles or loses a game, remember who's playing and try to take your what you've learned from these games on more of an individual level than a collective level given the roster and uh, yeah, that would be really my biggest thoughts on the Gold Cup. It's a fun tournament. Enjoy the other good teams at the tournament, especially Jamaica. I know I've already made that clear, but they're a fun as heck team. And it's nice to have a CONCACAF opponent that doesn't just foul all over the field. Um, <laughs> they're still a CONCACAF team. They still have their tactics, but uh, it's really nice to watch another CONCACAF team that's not Canada or Mexico try to actually play entertaining football. Uh, so enjoy that Jamaica team and uh, enjoy the tournament. You can find me uh, on Twitter mostly if as long as that website is still kicking at the underscore bonfire with two ends. And then you can find me at sportingnews.com. Uh, all my work will be there. Look for my piece on Cade Cowell, which came out great. I uh, really appreciate Cade for working with me there. Great kid. Got a good head on his shoulders and uh, uh, I'm excited for what he can do. And then, uh, I'll have something coming out soon on Brian Reynolds, who, hint, hint, will likely be leaving Roma in the next few days or weeks. So keep an eye out for that as well. And uh, he is a fun a fun kid with uh, also a good head on his shoulders and a very high ceiling. So you can find those at Sporting News. Thank you, Kyle. And thanks to everyone for listening to Here and Abroad. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a fellow USMNT fan. I'm Frank Garza, and I'll be back next week with a new episode.